Howdy CEOs and welcome to Pair Talks Prun, a prosperous universe podcast aimed at delivering you a little bit of entertainment, some knowledge and insight into the happenings of prosperous universe. I'm your host CPair and with me as always I got my two co-hosts. Lex, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Good, good. And Dez. Hello, hello. And then tonight also we have a very special guest with us tonight. And that is Mittens. Mittens, say hi. Hey, how's it going, everybody? I don't know that I would say very special, but I'm sure, <laughs> for sure. No, we, we appreciate you being on the podcast and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to hop on and chat with uh, chat with us nerds about Prosperous Universe. So we got a great, fantastic, just chocker blocked full episode for you tonight. We are going to be starting off with the weather report, and probably you guys already guessed it, we will be chatting about h2o prices but more importantly also chatting about scalping and some of kind of the ramifications of what has been going on in the h2o market then we're going to move on to market makers and talk about their purpose in the game and the pros and cons behind them and this is going to feed nicely actually into our conversation about edcs and there's a lot of kind of controversy behind whether EDCs are good for the universe or not. We're and then finally, gonna, we're going to mention EDCs in public. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are going to mention the thing that should have that should not be mentioned. And then um, finally, we are going to be ending with uh, just a kind of a retrospective conversation about uh, player boredom and what you can do versus what the devs can do about, you know, during the boring times of this game and stuff like that. So without further ado... Let's hit the intro. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mittens, for joining us tonight. And so tell us a little, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're pretty still early into the game. You're kind of almost what we would consider to be... uh, to be a new player, would would that be correct? I think that would be quite accurate. Um, hold on, let me pull up really quick. Uh, eighteen days. Eighteen days, oh. man. That's like you haven't even surpassed the tutorial yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Uh, like, how did you get? Like, how did you find out about this game? I've, I'm always curious. Like, that's such a marketing question. But like, how did you hear about this game? So it it's funny because I think I think I heard you harp on the devs for doing this, but it was a it was a YouTube advertisement. I think I don't remember which channel I saw it on, but I heard <laughs> him briefly mention it and say, "Oh yeah, I played this game before," and I was like, "Huh, I'm gonna take a look at that. That sounds interesting." And the more I looked into it, it looked like uh, the the reason it got me into it was because it seemed like Eve. Uh, without the PvP part of Eve that would make Eve terrible. Yeah, it's so funny people say that because the the four factions, the map, but it doesn't play at all like Eve. It looks well, like it though, doesn't it? Well, and the, it? the sad thing is too is like the factions themselves. Like I remember getting into the game for the first time and reading about the factions, and I was like, "Ooh, wow, this is cool. This reminds me of uh, uh, Elite Dangerous in their faction system." And I was like, "Ooh, this is gonna be cool." But really, the faction system is. There's nothing. factions in this game? <laughs> yeah, it's just nothing. It's just like, there's oh, okay. There's a color oh. on the map. I've noticed that a few times. Hey, does somebody have CIS? I have AIC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and the terrible thing is, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the terrible thing is, is that the faction system and the different currencies don't act as a mechanic to the game. They simply just act as like an obstacle. Like that's yeah, really yeah. all they are. They're contrived obstacle. Nothing more, nothing less. There's a there's a currency in this game. There is a currency in this game called ED, ECD that yeah. nobody uses. <laughs> oh, ECD. But there is actually, ironically, there's an actual currency that's much more useful, and that's EDCs. Yes, and, and that's that's what we're going to be chatting uh, chatting yeah. about tonight. And so mittens back to you, uh, back to you. Sorry, we kind of went on a <laughs> nerdy end game tangent there for a second <laughs> to get get ready, right. mittens. That's going to happen a lot. <laughs> um, but so yeah, you heard about this game from a YouTube uh, advertisement. See, advertising works. Uh, <laughs> but so what was it then that I guess? How did you kind of punch through the upper ice layer of the first few days of the game? Because this is going to be an important kind of topic when we get to our final point about like end game, like end game boredom and how can you get past that that very big boring beginning to some degree? Because it is right; it's such a grind, right? So, how did you kind of punch through the ice uh, to some degree and, and get to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. I mean the uh, the the journey to to where I am today was was a little interesting. I started off by making absolutely every mistake uh, that you guys have outlined in your podcast that a new player shouldn't do. <laughs> uh, first, I got into metal. That's why we make it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's learned from hard experience, you understand. Yeah. Uh, I got into metallurgy on a planet that was <laughs> six jumps away from the CX. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh just music and to my ears. Tell us, tell us more, buttons. <laughs> um, and then I did a bunch of faction contracts. Dude, like you oh. legitimately doing like, <laughs> my path. Oh. Please tell me yeah. you collect. Did you collect? Uh, I, I, I did collect. Yeah. So, How many so days in did you collect? Wise man. Six. Six days, guys. Six yeah. days. Yeah. I did it in three to... hours. That's about how long it took for mine. It took about three to four days to figure out I'd screwed up. And it's so funny, exactly what you're talking about. I didn't do faction contracts. I did player contracts, but they weren't any better. <laughs> yeah. took me, it took me one hour to figure out that I had screwed up, but I stayed around for 24 hours just to basically researching the tech tree, which yeah. I highly recommend to new players. If you mess up, don't co-leak immediately. Can, can you Sorry, plan Des, ahead? I, I'm actually a little bit unclear what you mean by that. What do you mean by research the tech tree so what i did is like oh i because i ended up um with a metallurgy on a planet that was not suited to that um i i think it was metallurgy um and i couldn't mine anything so i immediately realized i was stuck so i just went started poking around the the build tree and like figured out what i want to do um and i went for farming um so i figured out how you made rats i figured out how you made fuel, I figured out all those other things, and I was like, oh, this looks good, here's the planet, and I spent basically 24 hours researching the game in the game without actually playing. Yeah, my my colic was similar. About a, the day before I colicked, I really sat down and thought about where I, what I would do next, and looked through and figured out, okay, I'm going to do fuel, and here's where I'm going to do fuel at, and this is what it's going to take to make fuel. Yeah, it, it's worth doing, because otherwise when you start over again, you've immediately... You, you need that time to figure it yeah. out. I think that's just a good idea. There's, there's, it's like we need a couple of like newbie commands. Hopefully, your tutorials. I haven't looked at tutorials either, but like basic newbie commands, like yeah. That, there's no, there's a video. Just, 
the interface guide, the interface video I made, details all the sidebar commands and really those sidebar commands in my opinion and i touch on a few more extracurricular commands that i'm like these are really useful commands to new players that i've been that are like staples in my command book just to know how to do things well it's funny too because i think often new players correct me if i'm wrong here mittens now uh you know stop me if I'm, i'm wrong when i say this but like did you ever feel when you got this game that you were like, I need to know everything. Like I need to understand everything before I even like step forward one direction. Um, well, I mean, when I, I didn't, I, I haven't started feeling that way un, until a little bit longer into the game. So after I collect, I uh, restarted, I sat down on Prometer, uh, just kind of looking at the different starting planets. Prometer's an, an extremely populous planet that's extremely close to a CX. Um, I think my flight to and from the CX is five hours. Um, and it would be good for a for a farming or food start. I did a full loop around the entire universe, delivering to, uh, to different CXs and kind of making the money doing the arbitrage start. Um, and then, but I, I used the, it was about a week of going around the universe doing arbitrage. Uh, and I used that time to kind of just research and study and figure out what I was going to do before I did it. Yeah. Well, um, so the... I, did, I, did, I never felt rushed to gather information to make my next step. Um, but I, like, I was like, okay, well, what is my next step? So like here, I'm going to be farming. What should I farm? And and I discovered a whole bunch of helpful programs uh, like Prunner. So I had my base Prunnered out three days before I ever thought about building it because I was still doing arbitrage. Well, and I think the benefit of, you know, we just we kind of mentioned the earlier question about, you know, punching through the ice. I think how you approach it is the appropriate way to approach it. Like it really is that idea that you're not going to learn and understand every like even to this day there's some commands that i just never use and never know what they're for like i know like i could read about them and what they're for but like i'm just like there's there's staples in my command book that i'm like okay i use like the mat command the building command the the cxm command this 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 command but like past that like i don't need to know every command and i think that's often what players feel when they join the game for the first time and luckily you didn't feel that way, Mittens, obviously, by, by your recount of your story. But I mean, it, I would encourage any new players listening to this podcast, you don't need to know everything. Like, I would say you need to know maybe 20%. And the best part about this game, and like, I think the I think one of the things is, and, and you can correct me here, guys, but like, risk adverse people are people that are not, that are really adverse to making mistakes need not apply to this game. I really do believe that. Like if you are if you are so risk adverse that like you'll break out into hives if you make a mistake, like you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. I I like we're working on shipbuilding right now, like planning on our big shipbuilding chain right now, and I was telling you mittens, remember remember our conversation I said to you straight up. I was like mm-hmm. we are going to discover something here that's going to be kind of the burn our bonnet, really. It really is going to be something that's just going to be our Achilles heel that we just can't discover until we hit it right and we and that thing will change and i mean we'll get into this a little bit later in the podcast about the h2o but that you can't predict when when if how that's going to happen it's true um and so you have to this is a game of constant change 
in the markets, which is one one of the reasons I actually think even if you don't want to play that way long to- long term, arbitrage is a great way to start the game. Yeah. Well, and I think what arbitrage does as well, like, you know, why I made that start for players at the beginning is a lot of players are like, oh, I just want to sit down and like, you know, produce things. And I'm like, great, that's that's fantastic. And like, I've also heard some people talk about that. Like, they're like, oh, I like, and I've heard this from a couple people now that they're like, oh, I don't want to do that start because um, that arbitrage start because like, I'm so like, I, there's a lot of risk involved. And I'm like, there's a lot of risk in producing as well, such as we have with this case with the H2O markets, right? There's a lot of like things, things aren't going to be so like rainbows and sunshine for you producing stuff as well. And also it's arduous and slow right? If you want an exciting start that's cool and fun and you get to learn about the galaxy as a whole, arbitrage is the way to go. And you learn about the markets too. That's one of the cool things about it is you learn what moves. You get a sense for like, okay, can I pick this up here and move all of the the stuff that I bought once I get to point B? Uh, It it gives you a really good sense for how the markets work, how they feel, um, and kind of gives you ideas for where you can fit into it. I'm not as great. I'm not as big on that start, but I get the appeal. <laughs> but, but, the, but the but the reason Hot why takes is, from Lex. <laughs> well, the reason I don't like it is because it, it puts the risk in the wrong place, right? So, so what I, do you mean by that? So I'm a be clear. I'm a big believer in aggressive strategy. You need to be aggressive, but arbitrage at the beginning is the time you know the least about the consequences of your decisions, and you're taking the largest risks. Ah, whereas yep. whereas. Pr- Whereas production of almost any tier one good other than metallurgy, just don't do it, right? But, <laughs> but, 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 like if you start out with with almost any basic tier one production, it's stable. You can make pretty good money to start with, and you don't have to take a tr- you don't have to know a lot other than just how to do that one thing. I actually do think that arbitrage is perfectly good strategy, and a lot of beginners seem to do very well with it. So obviously, it's not killing people. I just it's not it's not the way I like to approach the problem, but. It's perfectly valid. It is a valid way to start the game with the risk that you might, the big danger, and I've I've seen people is you might not understand the, the true liquidity of the things you're buying, which yeah. is a, which is the only thing is the only way you really learn that is to play. Now that gets into the benefit <laughs> that Des is talking about, which is if you're willing to take it as a time to learn and make a few mistakes, you're going to get a lot of information about things you wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Well, so, and, and that's really it. It's it's sort of the school of hard knocks, and, it, and you know, it. You're right, Lex. And I've made mistakes. I have. I remember losing like twenty thousand on um, an ale deal I was doing, and I was like, okay, I'm never doing that again, right? I was like, okay, I lost twenty thousand. That's that's on me, right? Um, so let me. So this will be kind of the final question before we kind of hop into the weather report here uh, for tonight, mittens. But um, so what would you what would you tell what would be your advice to like a brand new player, like a, a, a day one player stepping into the game, the big bad world of Prosperous Universe for the first time? Like, what would you say? Because there's there's a lot of players out there that like they don't even get past day one. Right. They're they're like, oh, this game's too blah, 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 difficult or it's pay to win or this or that. Like, so what would you say to somebody like that? Uh, yeah. I, 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 I yep. feel like I'm repeating <laughs> the things you guys are saying here, but um, honestly, getting get plugged in with the Discord, a hundred percent. Because me, I mean, me hopping into the nascent mercantile Discord, um, and then I think I had, but we had a 
two two and a half hour discussion while i was doing my <laughs> click um and that kind of that set me on the right path to to essentially get my base started um and i think i mean after i did my after i did my full circle uh you had talked about uh we talked about starting a fin base it's prometer it's it's farming farming's pretty profitable it's right next to cx uh and i was able to get three farms and four food processors right out the, as soon as i finished my lap slap them straight down um and get right into fim yeah no i i couldn't have said it better myself at mittens and you know i've said this a few times and I'm actually, I just finished the recording and sound work for a video that I'm publishing probably by the end of next weekend or maybe even sooner. Um, it's like a 2023, like sort of updated, like how not to get bankrupt guide. So I made that, I made that one video kind of as of a joke. It really was. It was kind of jokingly like how to prevent bankruptcy. That video is not about how to prevent bankruptcy. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's an introduction to the game. It's an introduction to the galaxy. It's an introduction to kind of like, it's very it's more of a satirical version of the introduction video i made for the for the devs right for the actual f official tutorial of the game and so you mean you click you click baited a uh i did video? i did oh, I oh, how, <laughs> how sad yeah yeah no i really and but the thing was is like it, you know it's funny like you say that but like i never thought in a million years that this is where we'd be I never thought in a million years that this is like, I kind of made the first one as kind of a joke. And I was like, this is funny because I am sort of just a jokester. And then I was like, oh, th like, this is legit. Like, <laughs> people want like answers. And so now I'm making actually a revert. It's still got a lot of jokes, still pretty funny. Um, but I, I definitely have made a revised version. And one of the things I say mittens right off the hop is, is definitely 100% like, get into the discord and you know i oftentimes what we're not irks me but maybe it does irk me and, and it really shouldn't but it does nonetheless is when like players get into like nascent mercantile for instance right and then i like i actually have like a log of like what are people doing and stuff like that and like i see people like at like apply right they click the application thing and and they apply to become part of the corporation but then they do nothing like they do absolutely nothing. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, teach his own. Like I, my, my job is not my job. Maybe my job is to go to every single person and be like, hi, how's it going? Um, but like you reaching out to me and like people that do reach out to me, we do have those amazing conversations, right? You know, we had that like two and a half hour car and now where we are today, like it's, it's eons beyond where where you once were and i mean that's that's really what such an interest you're such an interesting case study to some degree mittens because of the fact that where you are is like even beyond what some of the older players are at if they if you can consider that for like your knowledge and your information that we have about shipbuilding and, and ship mapping and all that is far greater than i would say some people's knowledge about shipbuilding right and, and it's just funny, right? It's just the nature of uh, the nature of the beast. So, yeah, no, uh, that, that's great, Mittens. That's fantastic. But yeah, let's now hop into the uh, weather report. And today we're going to be chatting about H2O. So for those that don't know, and I'm sure everybody does, but I mean, you know, there's some people that probably don't and not everybody watches the, the chat channels or, you know, the markets. But H2O, back in, I'll just pull up the chart here. Da, 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 da. 
So back in, oh, geez, we use this chart is. So back in January of, so January 9th on this chart here in the CI1 market, water was going for $26, okay? So, and that's pretty, that was pretty average. And that was the average for, I would dare say, and even like we can consider it still the average since like August. So August of uh, last year, so 2022, uh, water was sitting at about $22, give or take, right? Water right now, so H2O, not drinking water, sorry, we should be specific here. H2O is sitting at $98. (laughs) And the crazy thing is, here's the wild thing that I just like, it's really bonkers to me. Like that absolutely, it's just like bonkers is the fact that there is no, um, there's no selling market maker for water. So you can, you can sell, you can sell water to, to a market maker, but, or sorry, there's no buying. So essentially what that means is that the, 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 the sky is the limit for how much people can charge for water. And I think some people have realized that and, Let's try to be careful here, guys. Let's try not to name corporations by name. Like we can all, we all know who we're talking about here. <laughs> um, but we're not trying to start a, a turf war with any corporations by doing this. But what was your guys' initial reaction when you kind of first heard about this? Um, let's start with the new guy, Mittens. What was your kind of like? Obviously, I'm getting. Let me ask you this. Maybe I'm assuming too much. Did you actually hear about this? And like, were you kind of like, oh, this is interesting, or were you kind of like, who cares? The spike happened the day I was slapping down my base. <laughs> so you were just so, like, oh, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it and I felt it. Um, so it was, I mean, price was like uh, $120 a unit when I was when I was starting to buy Jeez things. Uh, I ended up paying about 75 because what I did was I walked away for two hours and came back and I was able to buy all the water I needed for, for my first three, three or four days of production at 75 um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I, I definitely saw and felt that it, it happened pretty much like water was fine when I left my base, when my, when I made my initial, or when I was going around the universe, uh, when I was making my plan, when I got there to execute water had tripled, quadrupled in price. What's, um, what were you producing with that water that you paid 75 a unit for? Uh, water into, into herbs, into FIM. Gotcha. So, so here's the interesting thing about that line is you have some margin that you can eat up with expensive water, but that's not true of most of the lines where you put water as an input. Water at 75 is, it's it's like, for example, if you're doing drinking water with, with that drinking water is going for 61 Mm -hmm. in Antares right now, 60, um, 61, 62. And buying the drinking, buying the water that goes into that is more expensive than the drinking water itself. Yeah. Yeah. I I was able to, I I was definitely able to eat the margins. Um, The problem was it ate into how much overhead I could get. So I I had planned for my first trip to be, to get three days of overhead. And I, I had to knock that back to two days of overhead. So I was running really, really thin margins there for a, for a bit just because I was uh, very close to a liquidity trap. And I would say also, um, like, while the price is up that high, 
for for water it's not actually moving that high very like a few units here and there but mostly not it's not selling at that price no no typically like typically right now like the last so last candlestick that we got um the open was at 45 the close was at 30 so i mean yeah it's it's going like as much as i say that like okay right now the ask is 498 but you're right it's going for about like the average price of water right now in the ci1 market or sorry ai1 market my pardon is uh so the price average is about 41 right so it's yeah i'm kind of being a little bit ridiculous when i say it's not it is 98 right now i'm, I'm being truthful about yeah. that but it is going for a lot and what's really interesting too is the fact that dw is not which is drinking water is not seeing a residual effect of this to some degree or are we seeing has anybody seen that yet yes we saw a little bit of a bump a little bit like yeah. five five oh, per okay unit, it is going up a bit yeah so basically what happened is my, my theory on this is that when the spike happened it took out everybody in the drinking water production who didn't have wasn't already sourcing their own h2o which uh. wasn't very many people you know what's kind but of bonkers about this is yeah we're seeing we're what happened was essentially on like January fifth in the CI or the AI one market and if I look here uh, isn't this great using visual aids in an auditory podcast <laughs> um, but like so the fifth is when we saw kind of uh, a big sort of spike in drinking water like it went from 57 to 67 so it went up 10 dollars really quickly and then all of a sudden dw saw that spike um or h2o saw that spike on the 11th so there's about a delay of six days there in total yeah. between seeing both spikes happen which i mean that was the incredible part about the whole shebang but what i find interesting is sort of like i don't know have you guys been reading some of the chat logs that have been happening because of this I have been a part of many chats in relation to this. I mean, because basically this is, there is a lot of money behind this. Um, uh, there, a, an individual has decided that this is one of the ways they want to play the game right now is basically force H2O into the $45 mark, which is what you see. He puts up big, big buys at $45. And at first it was across every CX. Um, and lately hasn't always been, it seems like there's some cash flow issues, but he's, he's got some liquidity behind this. That's actually just continuing to pump m money into making the H2O market high. Yeah, and it, it doesn't seem like he's interested in getting his money back out because there's no way to do when that. I, when I saw this, I, I had two thoughts. First, I, rene I re need to renegotiate how much I'm selling my H2O for to the person I'm selling it to. Of course, a little joke there. But And then the second thing is uh, probably more important, which is that it reminded me of the saying, boys will be boys, in the sense that uh, it, it reminds me of young kids that just go out and wreck stuff because it's fun like just this this has the feeling of, of a little bit of boredom and well I just, my thought was yeah yeah so somebody's the board player 
Yeah, like it, it, it's a known thing. You take a, and I'm not saying the participants involved are men. I, I don't actually know that. But like you take young boys and particularly like teenage boys and you get them in an area and you give them nothing to do. And particularly if there's no girls around, they're going to just wreck stuff. Like it's just a thing that a lot of young boys will do. They're bored. <laughs> right, I'm bored. I'm going to go Lex, around and, and Lex, are you one foolish. of these young boys? <laughs> actually, I, I, I was not, but that, but I participated in a few of those things here and there. And equally important, I understand, I understand it. Like it's a, there's a desire to do something. And when you have to do something you want to do it, it, it relates to the topic of boredom, which I know you want to bring up later, which is. It gives, it, this yeah. gives you something to do. And it also has an impact. Like it's a very tangible, <laughs> very clear. I am affecting the market. If, 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 not, if nothing else, he's gained rep. You know, yep. he's, there's just, there's a story. It's right? true. It's, Everybody knows about him now. <laughs> yeah. So like, this gets into, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but you know, how do you solve these problems? You give people little trophies. It's, it's amazing to me. And I know like you I brought said, that worked, up before. Yeah. I, I, I worked for a very large employer that figured out many years ago that if you weren't going to pay them more because you were cheap, you give pizza them a party. lot of awards. I'm sorry. <laughs> pizza but, party. But it, not even pizza party. Pizza, it's, it's, you give awards, you give public displays of, you did good. Congratulations to you. Uh, people will carry the value of that for a long time. And eventually it became almost a joke because the managers overplayed it to the point where it just kind of lost its value. But I'll never forget that the the sign I had a terrible manager, the worst manager I had, she hands us the awards and right before she hands us the awards, she knocks them. It's, oh, these aren't worth anything. And I'm like, you obviously are a terrible manager. You don't understand human psychology. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's 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 one of those things that giving giving people achievements, leaderboards are, mo are a really common version of that in-game achievements. But this gives notoriety. This gives respect. This gives you know, even if it fails, the story will be told and the person will get reputation. And well, that... even the fact that we're now we're not talking about the person individually, which is on purpose. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a. We're talking about them. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a game, right? I mean, none of us are getting paid to play it. We're, we're not taking home money. We're not actually. Technically richer. speaking, I sort of am getting paid to play it. <laughs> You're not getting paid to play it. You're getting paid to provide a service around yeah, the game. Yeah. But the point is, the actual game itself, you don't make money playing it. It's not. It's not so big that it's got a league or anything like that, right? So. What is the real goal? Why do you get 100% achievement on it? Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I got the stupid t-shirt, right? I don't know if you ever completed it, but it's like the 100% completion is a t-shirt. You know, I completed Grand Theft Auto Vice City and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. And it's 100% completion. And yep. it has no meaning, but I still remember doing it. And, right? and another important piece of information here is that the account that is, is doing this is over 500 days old. Yeah, just wants to do something. So yeah. they've been through, they've had opportunities to do everything you can do in the game. And yeah. this is so, the latest thing that they're doing. Yeah. So, so well, I just, and I think they, oh, I think they do have their trophy. I mean, if, if you look, they're, they're holding close to, they have close to 500,000 H2O in offers up currently. I think that's their trophy. This is, yeah. It's it, it. And in the end of the day, that's once we've built everything. That's that's what achievements are. So th this is going to happen more and more unless they find ways to give people things to do that solve this problem, right? But I will say this. He picked something 
which is not system critical and which can be replaced by people that really, really need it. And he's not causing, and I'm using he here. I don't actually know gender. I apologize if that's not the case, but the reality is, is that they've done something that is more cool and maybe impactful than necessarily desperately harmful. He knows the one that hurt me. And I think he one of also, those things, oh, sorry, Des. this player also did it to ammonia. Yeah, he oh, said did they? different. Oh, yeah. geez. The thing I think and about is... I, it became unaffordable for the inputs that I needed it for. I had to go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, geez. That's, that's different, because ammonia is not as easy. Mm -hmm. you, you can throw rigs down anywhere. I mean, tons of plants yep. have got it, right? So ammonia is a little harder to... Uh, we're collectors, you mean? Collectors. Collectors. Well, yeah, you... Rigs, the, the, collectors, depends on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, okay, is, right, 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 sorry. The point is, yeah. ammon ammonia as a material is not quite as available as as H it, h2o's work h2o's sitting big on a number of planets and so it's the, in a sense that there's no real long-term harm here other than maybe some disruption and that I, i'm not sort saying of. that i'm not saying it's not without impact it's not it's not destructive to the game it's problematic and i don't can't say that i really like it but it's kind of a it's like a minor irritation. Let me play. Let me let me give you a hypothetical. Yeah. So uh, this player has is basically farming uh, EDCs. It looks like. So there's constant large cash flow going into this operation, and it is significantly increasing the cost of H two O, and can do this for as long as there is interest to do it. And um, in the meantime, people are um, producing more and more H2O, and then suddenly he stops. Yeah, that'll happen. She stops. And yeah. then the whole thing crashes. And then, and, and here's, the other, here's the other kind of gotcha, is that this hurts uh, non-pro players. Well, and it hurts new players. Right, Pro just players. mittens. Mittens is a prime example of somebody yeah. that has been hurt by this. Here's yeah. the, th the thing: is is that I guess I just view this kind of monetary competition as well within the bounds of the game. Oh yeah, and easily, yeah. and more importantly, didn't pick anything that they can fully corner. They can screw up the CX, but it is within a new player's ability to make H two O in many cases. Even if you buy the consumables you need have a market maker limitation. I think that's an important thing. H2O is not needed unless you're in the consumable business, in which place you need to be producing yourself. It has relatively few uses out there. I use my H2O primarily to make carbon and because it needed a chem plant, right? And if you're doing those things, you should be making it yourself, right? The it's not going to disrupt the ability to buy consumables because consumables have market maker limits on it. It shows a commodity that is annoying but not game breaking, and I I don't know if that was deliberate or not. Like I'm I'm giving maybe a little bit of credit there that's not necessarily been earned, but my assumption is more like let's pick something that everybody will be irritated and maybe annoyed if I do, but at the same time not going to keep players nobody's bases are going to go dry except for like if you need h2o for something other than consumables you should be making it yourself i really do believe that like it the and if you have to pay 100 for it you have to pay 100 for it like there's there's this is a manageable problem now i i do think there's an argument to be made that it can cause problems for new players 
it also creates opportunities for new players. So it's kind of 50, 50. Yeah. I, I mean, think... it's, it's one of those, it's, this is, it's a complicated thing and, and the, the effects of it are to be seen, but you're totally right in that picking something out, some other material might have been worse. Yeah. yeah like it, so, so let's just, let's say somebody corners the market on a luxury good, right? That would have more impact. No, it wouldn't. Like, yes, it would. Okay, you don't like to use luxury goods. <laughs> I don't know why. But, in e- but like but every single plan Alexis, you've ever Alexis shown, called me out, never, guys. Alexis called me out. Like every plan you ever have, you turn luxuries off. I guess <laughs> my, my bases run the way they do because of luxury goods. Uh, luxury luxury and, goods shortages are a problem for me. That's where you and, hit me. Yeah. Okay, well, and, and if you have a luxury goods shortage, uh, there are a huge number of players that their entire production train will just break. Yeah, because things wait, 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 back just up, run back out. Up. So, oh, well, I get. Hold on. Okay. Theoretically, they shouldn't because if you're using luxury goods on both sides of a uh, of a production chain, you just turn off all the luxury uh, goods. So, and theoretically, not the same ratio. The same. Not the same, not the same ratio. Yeah, not the same ratio, but also sometimes different materials. I get yeah. what you're saying. Uh, yeah. At so first, I, I was like, "Why was it impactful?" And then I was like, "Oh, now I get it." Okay, it shouldn't yeah. keep any. Nobody should like it's. Nobody should lose the game because of it. But it can definitely cause problems, put people in a difficult spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's now partly just because most of the chains for luxury goods really require, like, you have to put, you have to decide you're going to be a, you're going to make luxury goods. Like, you're going to have to choose to do that. And I remember months ago where repair kits just disappeared from the market, just disappeared. And I, I saw the effect. It was manageable, but it was like, I remember buying repair kits for some crazy price just to stabilize my production chains. Now I get, you know, I know you see pair don't like to use luxuries. I've noticed that in your, your <laughs> designs. Uh, I, I buy luxury goods. And so I, that's how I manage the production. Yeah. I do. It's just, it, it's a choice, but it is a choice. And I think one of the things though, I was, I was going to mention here that is very interesting is I think, and this is kind of, boils down to our last topic but i think it is it, this really i know lex you brought it up the idea that this is this is a result or des you brought it up this is the result of boredom right this is this guy's bored and he wants to go after um something interesting and that's fair and like you said lex it's within the bounds and the reasons of the game and that's why often piracy is poo-pooed because it's there's no bounds to it it's just it's just stealing right there's no somebody like just, somebody just gets hurt yeah, damage is done. Trust is lost. Yeah. This is more like prices have gone screwy. Like it's yeah. a different. And I, and I, I also think... don't think that that most of the community thinks ill of this player either. It's just it is what it is. They're oh. playing how they want to play, and it's within the bounds of the game. Yeah, this is this is so. this is so not a, like I'm not haven't been personally heavily affected because I'm not in this chain, but everything I, I took a look at it. It's all this is a manageable problem. And if anything, it takes advantage of, of, a, of a weakness that is I'm seeing more and more of, which is the it's the real reason why H2O can go crazy is because AFABs are so expensive. Do explain what you mean? Yeah. You can't, yeah, it's it's difficult. For, Sorry, you just took uh, a beginning product and an end game product and, yeah, and but, said they're but, correlated. <laughs> but when, but players reach a point in the game. And, and I talked to a player yesterday about this where we were discussing like the size of our bases and the number of permits required, it reaches a point where it's very, very expensive 
to produce that commodity relative to the cost of a permit to do something else, right? And so, for example, I have this rig planet that produces rigs and sell water. There will come a point where that permit seems awfully more valuable to me than any amount of money I can be paid. Now, we're a long way from that point. And so new players can come in and they can make water. But for a really experienced player, H2O at 100 is actually cheaper than trying to go out and get another permit to go make the production to do that thing, right? So there is a, there is a because of the cost of additional permits, which is certain points, and AFABs in particular, or the big limiter, you have the situation where players have a limited expansion and they can't just go slap a base down and produce a whole bunch of H2O and solve their own problem without eating up a very valuable permit. Now, this is not a new player problem, but more experienced players have shifted clearly have shifted out of these markets in many cases in order to gain the value of their additional permits. Like I've, I've seen evidence of this. I've talked to at least one person who's going through this. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm feeling it. Even somebody like me in the consumables market, like I, I make tier one through four. I, I am feeling the uh, value of a single permit at this point. And it's it is cheaper for me to like I have I don't I make a lot of H2O, but I purchase more from other players than I make myself. Um, And so because but, the, cost of, the cost of expansion is so because I just can't physically have that many permits and the cost of each of those permits with only half an incremental base on it is just terrible trade. And I think this boils down to the 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 need like you said, Lex, you know, the need or, or Des, you said the need to be, you know, celebritized, right? Or this this fame that comes with it. And I mean, you know, how many times I, I think we can all agree here, maybe, you know, if we played, we either played it or heard about it, like with EVE Online, the amount of like, oh, this guy like scammed this this co- company out of like millions of dollars, right? And it was like this story, right? And I, re- I remember reading those and being like, whoa, like, I, I want to be worked, part of that. I worked I work with a guy who did it and uh, directly knew him. And you know, his case was kind of pathetic, but still it was because <laughs> it, it was. I mean, it was definitely not as scams go it was one of the smaller ones. But yeah, the, I there are videos out there of some of the great battles in Eve. Like just yeah. we this is the thing about gaming, right? We each do it for different reasons. We get different achievements out of it. But it is rare for a gamer to not want to get some recognition for their success. There's a small percentage of gamers that don't care what anybody else thinks. But most people would like to be recognized as very good, if not the best, in their field, right? This is a desire people have. And being having people recognize your achievements, there there is no in-game in this game. That, it's just yep. not there. And so people are going to make an in-game. That's how and they're going to solve it. This is I have a theory that this is where inflation in this world comes from, is if you have as more and more players hit the point where they just have lots of money and just and are bored <laughs> and lots of time, they will just start doing crazy things to the market and it's going to raise prices overall just because for no other reason than there's they have nothing better to do. Yeah, it's... Um, it's 
and the thing is there's no beauty contest to this game right so a, a lot of massive multiplayer type games they have a beauty contest they have some way to to show off your fanciest gear or whatever it is right this game doesn't have that if you happen to the fact that you have a ton of bases like that's just your own achievement and so there are some people are just going to want to do things that catch note that are interesting that just seem fun because they're bored like these are all this is normal stuff i know i wouldn't even necessarily also to be clear think that that's a bad thing like fighting off boredom is very important i think that's why yeah, we're gonna yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. It later uh, yeah that's uh, games are we part of the reason we play games is to relieve boredom and some people i i i'm probably a little obsessive about it but many people just play games because they want something to do right yeah and so yeah i get it, it it's a reboot i don't like to sit around doing nothing nobody does so yeah, it, it that is none of this is inherently bad. It it's more a byproduct of maybe the limits of the game more than any just it's nothing vicious going on, nothing earth shattering. It's just somebody with a lot of money trying to do something and see what happens. I think that leads us nicely into sort of the next topic about, you know, market makers and sort of their purpose behind why they're here in the game and why what's kind of the pros and cons behind them um because one of the big things behind market makers really is like when i looked at market makers first of all i was like okay what what is the purpose behind these market makers like what's the why are they here what are they here to do and 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 so forth and what's so interesting about h2o market makers versus some of the other like so with you go like something like slower than light fuel for instance right so slower than light fuel, it has a market maker. It has a buy. It has a sell market maker. So you can sell or you can, um, yeah, you can buy from a market maker at $16 a unit for fuel, for STL fuel. Or you can sell to an STL uh, uh, market maker for $6, right? And that's how you really inject money into the economy, right? Like people often talk about like, oh, how is money injected in the economy? How is money injected in the economy? Because I think often that question is veiled behind this, I don't know, incessant is probably the word I would use to describe what I feel about this this question. This is incessant need or want to understand how inflation is going to happen, right? That seems to be always the, you know, we already kind of brought up the I word, but you know, that's like, okay, well, like, how is money getting injected? And like, oh, we should have war because then money gets dumped out of the economy, right? That, so, that all, sorry. There, there are really three different things that, to be clear, there's actually different kinds of market makers that, yeah. that, that serve fundamentally it's different true. purposes. It's right? true. And, and so the one we're talking about, the inflationary one you're talking about, that's actually a special type of market maker. The well, no, bit. sorry, and sorry, I wasn't saying that. I'm not saying my pardon. Sorry, Lex. I wasn't saying that STL market maker was a was an inflationary market maker. I was saying what these market makers serve. These these ones serve a point in in providing the very early early universe players with some money. But I would say what they also provide is sort of like it's funny. It's right on the tin. They per, they make a market. Right, so they they make this market, and then everybody plays with inside these bounds. But here's the biggest, and and this is actually you you guys are gonna kind of laugh when I say this. One of the biggest cons that I feel behind market makers is that they kind of don't let the market have fun, if that makes any sense. So, like for instance, they, this H two O, they're designed 
to not do that. They're, they're no bang on Lex, a hundred percent. They're designed not to, to not to have these scenarios. And so the problem, the problem, one of the biggest cons is actually from get ready a marketing standpoint, because then you can't have these stories, right? Then you can't have these stories such as player X Y Z corners the stl fuel market in in the galaxy and like everybody has to now buy fuel at this price right and it's like it's it's insane right like it's crazy right well there's a reason that the the h2o happened on h2o because the market maker wasn't there to hold it doesn't exist it doesn't exist only a relatively small number of absolutely essential must be in the game things have market makers yeah type Right. And that's the one type, and, right? That's the one type yeah. of market maker. And, and then there's has, yeah. has to be in the game market maker. Yeah. And arguably, and, STL fuel is one of those. Yeah, <laughs> oh, 100% it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. FTL fuel, I think, is fuel is well. fabs yeah. consumables. Like, you've got to have the game will not work without those. Like, you yeah. have to have if every nobody can ever completely and not those out. And not every consumable, just the, the basically the tier one consumables. Yeah. And, and everything else from that can be built from there. The the other one, of course, is the money printing ones, <laughs> which, to be fair, tell tell us more, Lex. What is this? Okay, what is so, this so money the, making the famous, <laughs> money printer? <laughs> okay, if if you're an experienced player in the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The EDCs, the famous <laughs> EDCs, right? It, here's the problem, right? The game developers ran into an issue that they have solved in a very blunt way. When you start the game, you have a limited amount of money, and if that's all the money in the game and people are constantly making more goods, then you end up in this glut problem where essentially the products, people can't bring money into the game. And so people, the money itself becomes this extremely valuable thing and, and goods end up having really low prices because just nobody's got any money and nobody's going to pay anything because money is the hardest thing to get their hands on. <laughs> And so they created a method of bringing money in, deliberately, clearly tried to put it in so that it was a later game activity with players that have reached a certain point in the game. I don't know if they fully anticipated the effect of once you've reached a certain point, this is what you're going to do. And now the printer is going to start printing money, right? And, and so it, it is an unfortunate thing, right? I do actually do think that we've hit an inflationary period but it's inflationary because the game has clearly gone through maturation in the last six months. I've, I've yeah, seen it. A, a really surprising amount of yeah. maturation. And, and and that maturation has pushed a lot of players into much deeper in the game where they're able to participate in these market makers. The market makers serve an important function. They, they really do. And they're extremely useful to providing a liquidity to players who otherwise might have a liquidity problem. So I'll give you an example. I have ADC production, but it's really just an extra tool to deal with the fact that my my RFAB production doesn't sell in a stable way. Like it's RFABs are not necessarily just, they're not running off the, the press. When they sell, they sell for a lot, right? But I can end up in short-term capital problems. And the EDCs act as a way of stabilizing us. That's, that's one of the reasons I have them. The problem, of course, is once you reach a certain point, now you've got a big money printer and the amount of money in the game is just getting larger and larger. And the game developers did not put sinks in. They put a faucet in and they did not put a sink in. And so they've created a highly imbalanced market. 
and as I as I explained, I, I put it on the channels the other day. Look, most games where you have a massive sink and have a late game scenario do something to use up those materials. Like this, I saw this in EverQuest. Like, go back to the oldest massive multiplayers, the EverQuest, the but Ultima Online's. They they figured out fairly quickly that they were getting highly inflationary markets because they just kept putting money in the economy, but we're taking it out. So what do they do? They put sinks in. Like, so, this but what is, is, not is a, a what idea. is a sink then to you, Lex? Like how? So what is a sink so it, the devs could put in tomorrow that you'd okay. be like, this is a sink? Because then I'm gonna I'm gonna refute and say that that's not a sink. But I want to so hear what I, your I thoughts. Be, are. I will give you a specific sink, right? Let corporations, let player corporations, build a big shiny looking, you know, useless object that everybody <laughs> in the system sees and goes, this this essentially a statue a big thing that requires a massive investment of just you put money into it right and then <laughs> now you can either make it you can either give some little benefit like you've spent a hundred million dollars so we give you a permanent benefit that you and you alone get or you can just make it just decorative right you can do either one of those but that will that will give players who have excess capital and nothing to do with it a way of receiving a public reward, an achievement that will say, look, I piled on so much money. I won the game. I'm going to score a statue. And then I, I'm going to, once I got the set, first statue, well, guess what? Everybody else has one statue, but I'm going to get two statues. And then the person who gets two statues, you know what? I, I'm going to get three, right? And you can have a contest. It was got the most statues. And the funny thing is, is players will do that all day, every day, if there's a sufficient, if there's a sufficient amount of respect and recognition and appreciation from the community for doing that, and they could literally just take money out of the economy, and the only people that would be spending money on that are people that have got lots and lots of it, and then they liquidity disappears as players have excess liquidity to spend. It's a simple mechanic, not I particularly think, difficult. No, and fair enough. That I would say the building of that statue is not a sink. Right, the building no, I'm of the statue I'm is not the, a sink. I'm talking about something you have to pay cash. For. Correct. Yes, bingo, bang. I'm not talking, as soon about, as I'm not you... talking about materials. I'm talking about yeah. you spend AIC. Because often spend... people say, like, for instance, uh, like war, for instance, war is a sink, right? Like war no. is a sink. Well, no, it's not. It's not it's a, a good, sink. It's a good sink. It's not a cash sink. But it's not even, no, like, because here's, here's where I go with the definition of sink, right? Sink is like what you just described. It is, it's a void that value goes into what is value value is commodities and and uh fiat money right yeah. and so that is the combination of value right and and what we have with this calculate like with this formula that like this function that i kind of developed and showed people often is that the the, the galaxy is constantly growing in value why because what is the input of value the input of value is time players time right so we spend more time in the game we we input value right but you're bang on if you were to take that value now and extract it from the economy which would be in the form of consumables or fiat money but like in the sense of like it's not coming like it's not it's not changing hands right it's it's gone it's it's going to somewhere else i think one interesting i don't know about statues necessarily but like i could see the day where it's like you had to pay you had to pay like the castillo ito mercantile like 
whatever you like for like a like a space station permits like so here, like, i a statue is just an example of oh yeah no, 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 blame, I, know, right? I know you do yeah no, i know i <laughs> know it, it's, it's a way of yeah. celebrating yeah. and showing your achievements yeah it's it's helpful if you've got and and i will give you a specific example i play a game called idling to rule the gods it's a long slow idler and the way that they keep the game mechanic is a very simple loop but the reason that people keep playing and have played for years and years and years is because they put a series of challenges in that give little bonuses. Yeah. And then they have higher level challenges, which require those prior bonuses to achieve. And then once you get to certain points, you start getting essentially you keep hitting these milestones of achievement that give you something in return. But the next milestone is even harder to achieve. And at the end of all of these challenges, if you do all the challenges, it's been four years on that, there's some endless challenges, which just basically exponentially grow in complexity and it's see how high you can go, right? And Factorio does that with endless yep. research, right? It's Factorio is like, what is, what is the thing in Factorio you got the most of? You have goods and materials. So they put in a sink for that. Once you get enough of that stuff, you go make commodities and you dump that materials and it disappears and launches on a rocket ship. So I'm specifically talking about the fact that if the imbalance of money gets too high, you start having a lot of people that have lots of excess capital. They don't have it to spend on. It's not useful for them for some other purpose. You give them a way to spend it on some sort of in-game achievement, which is the most basic way to create an in-game. Yeah. And space, you make it thematic, make it a oh, space station, make yeah. it, but but just make it something that, that the cost is very high, it doesn't even have to have a great reward. It just, it's very glorious thing to have done that carries a big, you've won the game, congratulations type award on it <laughs> and give people incentives and you just make it progressively harder so that the first time they've done it, it's difficult. But to go to that next level, you got to push even harder. And it turns out that if you give people the right balance of reward for achieving it, but then an, a harder challenge on top of that, they will grind. I mean, this is this is the massive multiplayer thing of the, of the yeah. treadmill of go to the higher level dungeon. Why do you go to the higher level dungeon? You, the lower level dungeons are exactly the same as the higher level dungeons in almost every respect. You you face something, you achieve, you kill some stuff, you you gain some stuff, and then you go do the next one. It's the achievement as a group. It's the sense of accomplishment. So you can create sinks that do that, and, and that's something that a lot of the better. A massive multiplayer games figured out is that if they have a if they have an economic imbalance then you create things which remove the imbalance as part of the achievement structure you make people spend money you make people spend resources you do whatever so that it's no longer a problem of too much of something it's the right amount to do something and then the problem goes away because if if it really was you know build a giant space station for your corporation it was a big, huge project and took lots and lots of things, including money. People will be focused on that, right? Going and going and screwing up the H2O market is <laughs> boredom. Uh, that's boredom. It's like, yeah. what else are you going to do? And so you go screw well, up the h 2 And I think a nice low-hanging fruit for the devs could be something like, you know, you said like a statue, but it really could be as simple as, like, we have our corporate HQ. I don't know, does, uh, does you guys have a corporate HQ, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I think a really easy low-hanging fruit for the devs could be just be like, hey, upgrade your upgrade your HQ and you get like another 2% bonus, 
right? Like, and then, like you said, Lex, that the next upgrade, it's another 2%, but it's going to be harder. And then the next time it's going to be harder. And it's like, or even like corporate, a a simple mechanic would be corporate leaderboards and H list next to the HQ level. I can't even begin to tell you. I can't even begin to tell you how destiny Two's butt was saved by raid report. Raid report was a third party website, not made by Bungie. It was made by very passionate fans of the game. And it was exactly what you said, Des. It is, and it's actually still to this day used as the definitive. It, it cannot be understated the drive that humans yeah. have to be on top of a, of an arbitrary leaderboard. Yeah, it, it, no no kidding. Achievements. Yeah. yeah, it's just I'm the person who did this. It's, and it's I, a... I'm, I'm going to tip my hat, hand a little bit is that like this is one of the things that I think we can add as players to the game if we can find creative ways of inserting <laughs> leaderboards. Yeah, but the, the thing is, is that, yeah, it's... I wonder how it's, we would do something like but that. But the thing... <laughs> cool. Players players can come up with ways to do that. I, I oh, definitely think the cool. devs... I, I, and I'll, I'm tip my hand a little bit. I think it's best if the devs provide some of those things just to stabilize the economy. But yeah, Des has hit it a key thing here. Being able to show you've achieved it that is the reward. That's that's why I think cheating is so pathetic. It's like unearned achievement is just the most useless thing, right? Real achievement. Go and do something hard. You know, I, I, I've talked about my PhD in the past. Like that is probably the biggest personal achievement I've ever achieved. Never going to forget that day. Ever. Hard tasks spent years on it. And it has gotten me through some rough times, right? It's If I ever feel like I'm having a rough day, it's like, you know what? I've already done. I've already climbed my mountain. Yeah. I already have my achievement. I don't need to worry about, am I good enough, right? And it turns out this is a very powerful thing, the sense of self-achievement. And the thing is, you don't always have to be at the top, right? Not There's only going to be one person at the top. But you create competition. You create drive. And I will tell you, every time I hit a new rank, like I I – play well and hit achieve a new rank in rocket league that's that is huge my because it's it's hard work is really hard work it's competitive players are trying to keep you stop you from doing it and once you've achieved it it's like you all of the stuff that went into that became worth it It, it, the edc's the edc's are really good because they provide a player like I said, my situation, I've got high dollar items sitting on the CX to exchange because I didn't I didn't negotiate deals for those. They're going to sell. But in the meantime, I got bills to pay and having cash around to pay those bills. Like I take a loan to build my Griffinstone base. Well, the loan came from Tonoid excess cash. That's not possible without those things in the system. But and, and so money in the system is good in general. It's needed to create you know, trade essentially. Otherwise we're on a barter system. That's a mess. But once you reach the point where there's a lot of excess cash, you get problems like you see in the United States economy and some countries economies where lots of money is chasing small amounts of opportunities and the price of things goes insane. And you just don't want that. I don't want new players to have to pay crazy amounts for basic materials. Now tier one's never going to go above a certain point. Well, so, and that's, that's the weird thing about this game is that they have market makers that cap certain things. 
So those things are actually really cheap relative to yeah. everything else. Yes, yeah. like the B BFABs are not particularly profitable compared no. to some other things. But you know, the reality is is that because you know, I deal with the fab market, like AFABs kind of set your price. Like they're really expensive, and our fabs are not exactly cheap. And the price, there's just evidence I'm seeing. I think you've seen this that the price of certain things is just going up because there's money for people have to spend. And that's not the end of the world, but I do worry about a point in which new players can't really afford to participate in the economy outside of a few number of, a few things which are otherwise relatively limited. I think the market makers on tier one are the biggest defense against that. The fact that the price simply cannot go above a certain amount means that a new player has a fixed cost to run their business and they cannot get above that. And so that's a good thing, right? The, the new player does not have to spend more than a certain amount of money. Those, those top end market makers on those tier ones keep the economy from going crazy. Mm -hmm. And so a new player has a maximum amount that they are going to spend no matter what to make something. And if the price of the tier twos go up, well, they, they can sell things. They can, they can make the tier two and sell it for a lot. So there's, it's available to them, but I still think it's better to take some of the fiat out of the economy. Yeah. You don't want and, players and sitting on large amounts of money doing nothing with it. I don't think it's been a huge problem, the amount of cash we've had in the game until I, we're starting to see the problems now, is what yeah. I think. Yeah, it's, it's a relatively new phenomenon yeah. as, as clearly, like I said, I think we got in kind of right at a point where a lot of the players were shifting over to the higher level production shipbuilding was becoming a thing. And I think that's just matured. And I, as ships are getting more and more expensive, those prices are going up and it's just because people have extra 500 K to drop on a ship. No problem. Yeah. And so you just buy it and, and so do it. So yeah. I, I think a fiat sink is a good thing. I'm specifically going to argue for a fiat sink. Because well, there are reason uh, another uh, way we could put in a fiat sink is essentially the the opposite of an EDC, something that has a top end but no bottom end. And so now, obviously, it would be very scary and hard to implement uh, at this stage of the universe. Um, but essentially, introduce an item that that's in these supply lines that okay, well, it's it's sold on the CX by a market maker for ten, and and you need a ton of it. You need hundreds and hundreds of it. It's super light, super easy. You just, just throw a bunch of money into the CX to buy a bunch of this item to run your production. That that only works if it's not competing against the player economy. Yeah, so, so it would have to be something kind of outside of the player economy. So, for example, they reset the universe today. Uh, you can no longer you can no longer mine H2O or rig H2O out of planet. H2O was only bought on the CX. And H2O sells for, for 20 or 25. Now a ton of H2O is used across the universe, but now instead of mining it, people just buy it off the CX. So it's not it's not competing with players because you can no longer pump H2O. Or maybe you can, but you just if you do, you just do it for yourself. Um like I said, it would be very difficult to implement at this age of the universe. Um, but I mean that's a good way for a for a think. Or you could do something that's later end in the uh in the in the shipbuilding tree, where hey, you know what? To build a new ship, you need a thousand custom hull plates. 
uh, for this ship, you need 2,000 custom hull plates, and they are they can't be crafted. They they're literally just bought on the CX. They could do that if they needed to get it. That's an approach. I think the only problem with that is the the one critical thing that lacks is the exponential potential for the sink. Yeah, is one of the one of the characteristics of these sinks that we've talked about so far is the next level is twice as expensive as the one before it, or ten times yeah. as expensive. Yeah, but it's something that more people will be, will be participating in. Yes, um, and it's also I think I think a combined approach between a few different types of sinks is going to be the correct answer to how do we sink money out of out of the universe. I don't think a single a single approach is going to combat that. And and to be completely clear, and I think this is somewhat related, I think the market makers are a good thing. I don't want them to remove them. I think they could tweak them. Uh, EDCs, the problem with EDCs is they're an expensive internal investment, but once you have them, they're actually fairly easy to make. They're just printing money. And yeah. there's like not a lot of inputs. You don't. Yeah, that's a weird thing. It's like it it just requires consumables. It's a very. That's, yeah specific so they could make the market makers require some more production lines there's some things they could do i actually think it's good to have something that's just easy for players to get that maybe that's probably a minority view but uh, i actually think edcs are a trap for new players because their investment to get them is expensive and capital but once you have them they're a nice source of money but so they 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 i think they have to have the market makers in the game they just need to have the sinks to go with it. Like that, yeah, I, that to me, that's my opinion, right? It's like, and, and yes, they can tweak the formulas. It probably wouldn't be the worst thing if you had to do a little more production to make them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that, right? But I, but I also wouldn't want to make it even like crazy difficult either. I don't think that really helps things. Or if you just put more market makers across the board, so, so, and, and make their, like, obviously the more advanced it is, make the spread wider. So for an FTL engine, you can sell it for thirty thousand, or you can buy it for eight hundred thousand. The yeah. market is somewhere in the middle, the and problem... that that acts as a sink, that acts as a as a as an inflow of money, and it solves some of the problems of like, hey, this doesn't exist in the market. The problem is, I don't think it would be good for the game, given the fact that it's so difficult to make those parts. To allow players to buy them with cash as a way of bypassing that is probably a bad thing. Well, and then, well, the thing is, then you come in and you say, "Hey, I can, if if, if I set up the right production lines, this this." So I mean, I mean, and I mean, you you could make it even wider. Like, okay, one point six million for for a fuel saving STL engine, and you say, "Hey, I can make that for I can make that for two hundred thousand, and fifty of these are trading a day." So I put them up on the on the CX, and then essentially you you compete with the market maker, and then someone's like, oh, someone's making that for four hundred thousand, and then you introduce competition. Uh, but it it makes some of these things. I mean, for someone who's just sitting on a ton of cash, yeah, you can you can just you can go upgrade all your ships. It'll cost you fifty million to upgrade your ship, or you could work with someone who's building ships and get it done for eight percent of that, and and get it done for. 10 million, 8 million, 6 million. You think about how I feel about that. I, yeah, I'm not sure. Because yeah. what I've seen with with things that have market makers 
on both ends get squeezed. And so like FTL fuel, uh, SDL fuel, they tend to, they have some dips where they get really cheap, but they tend to squeeze up against the market makers. You can make it as wide as you want. But and, at and the, the end, high... of, yeah, and it just takes all that. All that means is it takes longer for the market to get to that higher price. But you eventually get you get there. Yeah, but there probably is an equilibrium. Like if if ships could be bought for really large amounts of money, and they really were a lot of money, the the only negative is you don't want fiat to replace production. That's the that's I think the only negative I see to that. You, yeah, because then you have players building eight EDC bases yeah, instead it, of ship production. Yeah. It, I think money has to be brought in the system, but we don't want money to be, to me, large amounts of money become like a scorekeeping method as opposed to something we want to see a lot of in the game. That's just my, that's my take. Interesting topic. Yeah, no, it is. I think we've covered one in the same. We've done two birds, one stone here, (laughs) covering EDCs and market makers at the same time. So I will, uh, we'll skip over, uh, Easy. Unless anybody does, anybody have any further? Does anybody want to discuss any further things about their feelings about EDCs? Um, when five you first, pardon, sorry, can we do five minutes? Yeah, yeah. No, let's do. Uh, let's take a five minute intermission here. So let's let's do that. Gonna... All right, and we are back from our intermission. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the possible elevator music I put in the game or put in the podcast. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, what we're going to be talking about next is kind of our actually our final topic of the night. But that is around the idea about dealing with player boredom. I know that that's kind of been on our lips as of late when we were chatting about uh, in the weather report about H2O and what's going on there and how that was kind of a result of player boredom. Um, and it's sort of kind of what the devs can do about it. Now, I do find it interesting how, you know, when I was playing, and so this is going to get way off topic, but it's, it's going to come back to the topic at hand. Um, when I was playing, it was a Milsim, it was a Milsim game by the name of Squad. And I, I have like over a thousand hours in Squad. Like I was, I was a very dedicated player. I was part of a big, huge clan and we were doing amazing things. And when I was playing the game, um, they often would do like content releases such as like a new map or a new faction or what have you not right but then for a long period of time they kind of took a hiatus from a lot of that stuff and it was kind of like okay like a lot of the players were like okay like what's next right and then all of a sudden they were like oh we've released this like lightings lighting and shadow update and it was like okay nobody asked for that nobody was like this is this is what we want and the problem with I I I feel this right now is like I've taken a look at the UI update. So so the devs have showed us what they're doing with the UI update, and I'm sort of like, I feel like that's not like maybe that's the low hanging fruit. And, and me and Lex have had conversations about this already, but you know, I feel like this is like maybe it's the low hanging fruit because really you know, the more meat and potatoes topics that they need to start covering and hitting off right away, like I would say within the next, I would say by the end of this year, if they have not covered the aspirational content of this game in some limited or fulfilled capacity, um, we're in trouble. 
We really are because there isn't much in terms of aspirational content. And that's kind of also been kind of a subtopic of our conversation tonight is really this like end game or this infinite end game sync or what have you not just doesn't exist in the game, right? There's no way like what is really it's funny because this game, this game wants to be one thing. But it's a completely different thing. And that's and this is, I think, one of the biggest, and this kind of covers what we were talking about with EDCs. So what EDCs <coughs> excuse me. What EDCs do essentially is they turn this game, they transform this game from a game where you're concerned about making money to Factorio. Right? This is that's really what it's about in the sense that it's like, okay, so we're you know, EDCs and we're making all this money and money and money. And why are we making this money? Like a lot of people I've heard, like <laughs> one of our court mates was like, oh yeah, you guys are doing like the EDC cheese or whatever. And it's like, well, we're doing this for a reason. There's a reason behind it because Lex, as you kind of mentioned, you have a lot of liquidity trapped in RFABs, right? Because, you know, people don't like, people don't like buy RFABs like they're going out of style, right? Like they'll come and buy a few and you might make some profit, right? But that that money is trapped behind that that sale that you're trying to do, right? And that's the same concept with what we're trying to do with shipbuilding. And me and uh, Mittens, I know you and me have had conversations about this with ship parts and stuff like that, that we are going to, we're going to stick a lot of liquidity behind the market when we start sh- selling ship parts on the CX to people and the, pu- the general public, right? And so the thing though is, is it's so funny because a lot of people are like, and it's funny when people join this game, they're often like, they're talking about money, right? They're like money, this money, that money, money, money. And I'm like, I I stopped caring about money a long time ago. Like I really did. As soon as I started doing EDCs, I stopped caring about money because to me, I've hit this game's end game, right? I've hit this game's end game and this game's end game is not money. This game's end game is Factorio. That's really what this is. Would anybody agree or? I think you're actually, I'm going to take an alternative position. I think that you have created so much money you have yet to experience the middle. What do you mean by that? If you look at your base structure, because I, I was thought about this last night, you have come up with a way to create large amounts of capital, but you have yet to play the complex logistics game. So there's actually quite a bit for you to do. Now, you're going to tackle this by going directly into ships, which is an aggressive strategy. But you, you've hit on a point, which is the making of money is you can keep score with it. But it's really like the game is doing the other things, right? And you've kind of hit the point where now you have enough capital to do things. Now you want to go do your big projects. That's that's what the capital's for, right? It's, I, and I, I'm actually totally on board with that as a concept. The problem becomes, and this is, I think, the thing that I'm I'm kind of looking at, and I'm I'm pretty sure Des has hit a while back. It's like, what do you do once you've gotten, once you built your big thing? Like, what's the next big thing to do? And, you know, if you ask me to triage the game, I think I've said this before, devs need to be working on two things. New player experience, in-game. Only two things they should be working on. And 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 I would uh, qualify that by saying that the new the new player experience, the pieces that are missing there are not new features. Yeah. Mostly. What do you They're think? Mostly... What do you think are the things that are missing? I think um, it is the ability to get into the game, which might, oh, might, okay. yeah, you, you know what I mean. It's but that's like, not so... a, that's not, and like, 
let me clear let, let me try to clarify what you're saying yeah, <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I put words yeah, in your yeah. mouth but like the big thing is that is that that is in a sense a marketing issue because what it is right. is it goes back to the first p of marketing which is product and the thing is right. is if you have a product that is causing friction in your market right you have something that's like like people have have bought in. Like you have like these early adopters, these technological early adopters that we always talk about and stuff like that in, in marketing world, and these early adopters. And that's great. These early adopters, what they're good for is they're really good for getting that feedback, gleaning that feedback, and then taking it back. And I think the biggest issue we see with the gaming industry today is the bastardization of the beta and the alpha. Right? Like the alpha has become. So, like I don't even know what the alpha is for anymore, right? Like it's for like a, it's like like a lot of a lot of dev companies, like indie dev companies, right, use that. Yeah, so the, you know what? That's fair enough. Touche, right there, Des. But I was just gonna say is a lot of these indie companies. I'm looking at a game like Ashes of Creation, which is a new MMO coming out, and they are doing this alpha thing, and it makes sense. I'm like, yep, they're 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 delivering on alpha, and then they they deliver. Like more, like then they get feedback and they go back to the the thing, right? And then they do a beta and same thing. But you're right, Des. I think it was Des that said that. That essentially the alphas and the betas of this game of this gaming industry that we live in nowadays are essentially that. It's like, oh, you want to play this game early and you want to like have input on the game's development. It's like, ooh, should, come and play our should, alpha. <laughs> we should plug our podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we we've discussed this in our other podcast, and, and yeah, I, so I'd say this right: the game is actually fairly mature in terms of its oh primary content. This yeah. game is is it's funny you say I think Lex you said that that it's like this game needs work on the end game and the beginning game because you're bang on about the middle like the game itself is actually so that's actually funny. Often the problem is the fact that. The games that we play that suffer from bigger issues are that there's no middle, that there's no content in the middle, right? It's just like, it's like you have like a dungeon at the end, you have the beginning campaign and nothing in the middle. There's no depth to this game, right? But that's not the problem with this game. There is lots of depth to this game, but but now we have to utilize that depth. Now we have to take that depth and now we have to plug it into meaningful actions as players to some degree. And and I, to me, that's the issues, right? And the exact way to solve the new player experience—that's a worthy topic on its own. But if we just specifically focus on the in-game experience, it's a lack of. So the problem is, is there's this game lacks a very important thing, which is there's no easy way to create emergent late-game experiences. Bingo. Yep. There there are a number of games that are open sandbox in such a way is that the players. Can essentially create their end game. They can do that. This game doesn't have a nice way to do that. That's the devs. If the devs were to focus on anything, it's to create that experience. That is the missing component of this game. Yeah, Most... there's a hard stop at like when you get to shipbuilding. If you once you are building ships and you can smooth that out a little bit and produce it a little bit more efficiently, maybe. But that's it. You're done. Like there's no well, emergent game for it. And like, Des, it, it's it interesting. You say that because we actually just had our corporate corporate wide meeting, and one of our um, one of our oldest players that have been with us in the corp 
uh, Ro, he brought he brought it to my attention. Like he kind of said, he, he straight up said in the in the meeting, he was like, "Okay, you guys are going to be building ship parts and ships. Then what? Right?" I was like, "Yeah, f- fair enough." Like I'm not thinking past that to some degree. Like, and I'm kind of hoping by that point that the devs, like, I'm thinking that we co- probably will be in like the end of this year that we'll be at that stage, and I'm hoping that that point that the devs will have something for us because definitely we are kind of hearing this like we are we are closing in on a very tight window like the the devs i I think the devs need to appreciate the fact that there's this window this tight little window that's closing on them and it's closing and it'll continue to close until the point where it's like everybody that was like a very dedicated player like ourselves and stuff like that we've moved on we've moved on and like you try like like you obviously weren't like there needs to be an element to speed here. Like you've kind of, it's unfortunate in the sense it's almost like a poker hand to some degree where it's kind of like you've played your hand in the sense of you've released it on steam. You've done this early access stuff. You've done all these things. You've played your hand in that degree. Now you've got to act quick. Like you like the speed is of the essence here. And, and like if we talked about earlier, like the, there's been a massive maturation of the, the economy and the game. Uh, player base in the past six months that's not going to stop and you're going to run out of road yeah yeah now now you got people screwing around in the markets to try (laughs) that's that's the beginning yeah this is the beginning of that this is not going to stop it's the beginning of the end (laughs) more and more people are going to do that once you once you start seeing those signals you have you have to respond to that right I will say that the most disappointing thing about the player update so far has been weird, besides the weird choice of faction contracts, has been a definite silence on this issue, right? It's on the roadmap, but they haven't talked about their roadmap in any well, of the recent discussions. You know what's so bizarre? Can I just say this as much? Can I go a step further and say that it's like, why, why are, why are, like, why do they feel the need to keep us in the dark to some degree? Like, here's the thing. If you have like a game, if you have a publishing studio, powerhouse, like EA, Ubisoft, uh, that's whatever that company is. What is this? Shut up. Uh, But you know, you have these publicly traded companies, right? These publicly traded, big, massive companies. They have billions of dollars of investors. And yes, you keep mum about certain topics because your competitors are watching you such as like the other gaming companies and you definitely want to keep your cards close to the chest right this is and so they're 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 acting like they are that company right and i think of another example i can think of another one like owi for instance which was the company that made squad and they're also quite mum about about a lot of things and i'm like it makes me curious as to why it really does. I'm like, what? Why is it? Are you afraid that you're not going to deliver on this promise? Like, you're not going to deliver on these expectations, which is fair. Fair. I know. I know. Lex and Des, you can probably speak to that a little bit, being in, being in the tech development world. Like, obviously, but like, that. Like, I think most of us, like, and, and I think that's it. Is they don't want to like, like. I think they don't. They they might. What I'm trying to say is like, they don't want to set any timelines because they don't know how to hit them. Like they don't know how to hit timelines. But there, are, there are ways to get around that, right? So, you just need to not let players know that they're working on something. Yeah, right? but that's I haven't well, seen anything lately that says they're working on the problem. They may well, and very that's well. Why be. 
that's why I put this topic on the list in the first place is because I've basically given up hope that there's going to be a further endgame anytime in the reasonable future where we will need it to be here. Yeah, they, they haven't talked about it at all. And, and that's a problem. Because yeah. the players have hit that point. I mean, we're new players, but there's definitely... <laughs> I, saw, I saw a guy in the channel the other day that showed what he had on Antares base. I don't know if you saw it. He's got thousands of like his just every product known to man in large quantities. This is a guy who's done it all, like very yeah. Mature. Like his his uh, his Antares uh, station. I think it was Moria, but it's just ridiculous. Or whatever it was, yeah. It's just this this huge grid of tons and tons and tons of products. Yeah, he he's getting bored and he's making his own leaderboard, uh, just like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, how much how much STL fuel do you have? <laughs> yeah. He even oh, called yeah. it a, he even called it a humble brag, which was an honest admission of the fact that he wanted people to see how much stuff he had. Right? And you know what though, guys, at the end of the day, this this is um can we just say that this is this this what's happening right now is nothing new in the gaming industry in the sense of that's, that, that's why it's a problem. This is not a new thing. They should understand this is an issue. And you know what? They might not. Lex, they just might not. Like, it's funny to me, or not funny. It's it's surprising, and it's unfortunately surprising to me when I see, like, companies or, or people that, like, don't look around them at, at the failings of others and say, how can we learn from that? They They more go and say, they keep an insular point of view and say, Oh, I'm not going to make the same mistake. And then as they are insulated on that, they make the same mistake, right? And the thing is, is I think of a particular company that was out there that uh, it was a company called Uber Entertainment. And uh, Uber Entertainment, they were working on, it's a pretty prime example, actually pretty similar to what we're dealing with now, where they were working on this revolutionary new RTS called a real-time strategy game called Planetary Annihilation. And it was radical. Like we were talking next gen uh, concepts and ideas. And the thing is, is they simply just ran out of money. And I think ran out of interest and ideas about like developing this game further. And I know Lex, we kind of chatted about in our esoteric gaming podcast that essentially is like they got their money, right? They got the money and then they're just like, all right, we're done, right? They just simply ran out of runway. And the thing is, is here with this example of Prosperous Universe, what we're dealing with is like, you know, they've been developing this game since 2017, right? They've been developing this game for about seven years. And it's funny, you can actually, I I would recommend anybody to do a little bit of homework here. You can actually go and look at their their social feeds like all the way back. And they seem very interested in, and in, in, it's kind of funny that they are very cool, are fascinated about procedural generation. Like they have topics about procedural generation and what they're doing around that and stuff like that. And then I look at faction contracts and I'm like, yep, that's procedurally generated because it's utter nonsense. It's yep. it's absolute nonsense. They, and the thing is, procedural generation works when you put boundaries on it, when you put boundaries on procedure generation, you're like, okay. And like, that's, I think what you do is you, you, you toss a bunch of bingo balls in there. 
you, you roll around in a spinner. I don't know nothing about procedural generation. I'm just making an example. Um, you, you roll a bunch of bingo balls in a bingo machine or whatever, and then it pumps out a nonsense answer. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to take out this bingo ball and this bingo ball because that made no sense. And I'm going to roll it again and see what happens and, it, and make parameters to such that is like, okay, this now makes sense because you have scenarios and we chatted about this last podcast in the Paratox Prun podcast about the fact, and Mittens, you might laugh about this, but like those faction contracts, for instance, one of the faction contracts was like, make a ship. And it's like, oh, good. Let's just spend like $4 million making a ship. What's the prize? It was like, it was like $60,000. I was like, uh, well, okay. <laughs> to put kind of like a finer point on this, like, so uh, we're all fans of a Kerbal Space Program here. I think the weakest <laughs> part of Kerbal Space Program is the procedurally generated missions. That yeah, is, but at least even okay. But let's 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 beg to say that at least they're they're not absolutely bonkers. Like well, I, I I've experienced well, some, but yeah, like some of them are some <laughs> of them are absolutely bonkers. But here's the thing about that though is that there's also a set of mission contracts in that game that are not procedurally generated. That they're the pr- main progression, and those are not bonkers. Those are good. And so I think that's the thing about this is procedural generation. And there's an entire game. Uh, for, um, what's the name of it? There's an entire game where the entire universe, the whole thing is procedurally generated. And it just feels terrible. Um, it doesn't feel. Are you Sky. talking about No Man's Sky? No, no, no. Elite uh, Dangerous? I haven't played that one. Um, uh, I haven't played those. I heard there's some procedural generation that does in the end work. Um, I'm trying to pull up my Steam library. The so problem is, is you get the trope. Reality is unrealistic. Yes. Right? And that like, look at our universe. It's pretty clear that there's lots and lots of solar systems that by human standards are complete junk. Like you go there and there wouldn't be anything you do with it. Right. And then Orion. of course we, yeah, and then we, we happen we happen to be in this one where it's like like look at Earth, right? You 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 have the Thea hypothesis that we were literally the moon and the earth were created by a common thing in a very specific way, and like a whole bunch of things created that made this particular solar system really nice. It's a good solar system for creating life. Yep. But you go to the next door, there's no guarantee that, that the next one's gonna be any good at all. Well, that's reality. And reality um, and- has has that has that problem. So when you procedurally generate, you get mixes of goods and bads and sort of unwild spreads of things. I interrupted you, Ben, so I'll let you let you go. No, you're good. And, and I mean, e- even real life has bounds to its quote unquote procedural generation. Um, a, 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 a flower g- grows with the golden ratio. It doesn't grow completely randomly. Now, flower A, B, C, D, E, F, and G are all different from each other. But they're bound. So uh, the, yeah. they're, the, any any kind of generation has to have bounds. Well, and I think and, it'd be, and I think that's my biggest concern about this is that if we're if we're gonna lean heavily on procedural generation, that is really easy to get wrong for late game. Any sort of uh, faction contracts as a great example of just just not being worth it. Well, and, and here's the like, worst thing about it, though, Des. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say know, this. I just wanted to say this little point before you keep going is the fact that. You said you kind of mentioned it like that. It's it's worse for endgame, but it's worse for the beginning for the play for the beginners. Yes, because the yeah. thing is, is they're like, oh, this is really good. No, it isn't. It's really yeah. bad. Don't do it. 
Yep. Yeah, but I cannot describe my disappointment that they put time, energy, and resources that could have been doing other things into it. Uh, it it's not good. And no, you know, it, it, some of it is like you know, there's there's a view of the like if you ever done the like listen to po- I've listened to podcasts where they talk about alternate universes with slightly different starting rules, and some of them are like really really crappy universes, right? So. It's like a whole question of what makes our universe special. Is it special at all? But the fact of the matter is our universe has a set of rules and structures, which creates the order that we see, that we imagine we see. The thing is when we play games, and this is the point I was kind of getting to begin with, games are more structured than reality. Yes. That that's something 100%. That, that's something that we want. We don't want all of the crappy elements of real life. And the problems of unfair, like, look at the Earth. The geography of the Earth is fundamentally unfair. Some people in certain parts of the Earth have a much more difficult time surviving than people in other places, purely due to geographical oddities that they had no control over, right? This is a reality of life. When we play games, we don't really want those kinds of things. That's not something we aim for a universe in a prosperous universe that is as hard to actually colonize and get resources from as our own universe. That's not what we want. Games, games by their nature are simplifications of reality that they're, they're simulations of, of, of a limited set of rules and structures. Whenever you create procedural generation, you have to fit that in there. And that's just, not something that the games do easily and often don't do well. I will. Yeah. I found very few games that were procedurally generated where I thought, boy, that procedural generation really just made this game great. Procedural now, generation is just a content generator. That's all it's really ever yeah, used it, for, and it rarely is done well. It works okay in Factorio and Minecraft and games where it can create some just variety of worlds and you're kind of okay. But the reality is that satisfactory uses a non-procedural generate ends up with a perfectly good world, right? So right. you can do both, but I don't I don't think that's the strength of the game, right? The the problem in the game right now fundamentally is once you get once you've achieved your things, there's nothing more to achieve. That's a problem because people want new things. And and it's not a you know, how does this work in a lot of games? You got the you got the chess type games. I'll use that as the example. I'll go back to it. You play game ends. You start over. It's a repetition of the prior practice, and so every game is new. Every game is different. In games that are ongoing, you have to provide clear, interesting, and ever developing in game activities, or players just get bored. That's that's what you have to do with this game design, and they've not done it. And if you look at time and time and time again, one of the most common complaints you see of a massive multiplayer game that gets released is they didn't put enough in-game in. They, they created the beginning and the middle to kind of get players through it, and they kind of hope they would catch up later. Like, this is a really common thing. Yep. And sometimes they catch up and sometimes they don't. Well, this game doesn't have an in-game. Where are they going with it? What are they going to do to create more in-game is a legitimate question that they're not answering it. Although they haven't answered yep. it recently. They haven't well, answered it recently. And, and you I know also, what, though? I, oh, sorry, Dad. I was just going to say, and I'm wondering if they're going to get there anytime soon. And maybe that's, you know, I, I've been thinking while you guys have been kind of talking about that. Maybe it does take somebody. Maybe nobody's asked them, 
right? Everybody's been pretty happy with the way things are. And I think, you know, I, I feel like this okay, conversation we, is... We are asking. We have asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guys, we're asking right now. <laughs> at least three people have said this is a problem, right? So, um, Here's where I go with it is, um, you know... Uh, this conversation is getting a little bit negative, but it, it, it's a it's a necessary conversation. Um, I'll say this much is like as much as they may not be asked, and like maybe we do have to make it a little bit more clear. It's like that. Yes, please, like let us know what your guys are doing because this is the next step. Because or else you will lose us. And I think the one yeah, of the I, benefits be clear. This is this is not a slam the developers thing. This is a legitimate problem that games at this stage have, and yeah. they have to solve it. Yeah, and then well, they have to solve it quick. And I, what I was going to say though is, you know, so they have the they have the roadmap and stuff like that, and and that's all fantastic. But I mean, um, you know, what is the next stage behind this thing? But one of the biggest things is that they have this dedicated community, right? Like the community that they have developed for this game, and like, and I mean. It, it might just be that it just happened, <laughs> right? Just this amazing community happened and we have amazing people in this community that have been fantastic. And I mean, uh, like, you know, it, it has been so great. Um, now it's time to not lose us. Now it's time to be like, yeah, let's foster this community by giving them the answers they seek and the answers they desire, right? Um, because then it's like, yes, then we'll, we will stick around. Like if it was, if they were like, Okay, guys, we are working on this end game topic, and it's coming within half a year from now, right? Or it's coming at the end of this year, right? We're working on this end game thing, right? And it'll be here. I think yeah. most of us would be pretty satisfied with that answer. Yep. Like, Absolutely. that's how patient we are. Like, we're not like a bunch of Fortnite snowflakes that are like, oh, we need content every five minutes injected into our IV. It's like, no. We are very patient people. We play other games. We do other things, but yeah, definitely this is a slow game overall. Like you know, as long as we see a path to getting there at some point. Yeah, I would say just respect our time. That's really. I think that's actually is respect our time by communicating clearly to us what the next steps are. Because this roadmap that you that they have, it's good. Like they have these. It's more of like a. I'd say it's more of a corkboard than a roadmap. It's more of like a. Yeah, hey, yeah. we have some ideas. It's it's aspirational. Cool, cool beans, to... great. You have some ideas, but what's the next thing, right? Yeah, it's, it it lacks a concrete picture of what the goal is, right? And I mean, look, it, if they can either emergent gameplay, simple achievements, there's just some simple things they could do that would sort of stopgap. Some of the stuff they've got planned is really interesting if they get to it. Oh yeah. Yep. 100%. The thing is, I, I I honestly think they could stop gapping. They could do a few things like give players with lots of money and resources a way to gain achievements. I I keep going back to achievements, but that is a <laughs> real that is a real very well understood way to encourage ongoing participation in an activity. Right. Yep. It's just a little bit of reward for your effort. That's clear and. Yeah, I've 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 seen people do things for years that are very repetitive because of the the achievement, the sense of community, the sense of I'm respected within my group of friends. So they don't have to do anything like crazy, but they do need to look at some of the issues of player boredom directly. And they need to they need to fix a few of those things. 
and then work on their big roadmap along the way or just do whatever they're going to do, right? Um, yeah, I think we have kind of come to the end of the in, con- the in conclusion part of our podcast. Uh, does anybody have any further kind of final thoughts about, about this topic before we end yes, it off? You put your hand on your wall. <laughs> hold on tight no you know what I'll, i respect the devs you know they've done a fan like we were chatting me and me and lex we were having quite a heated uh heated con- heated <laughs> as heated as a canadian can get uh ta- conversation about um last night about you know uh d- developer greed and the reverse greed that might be happening in in some of the games that we play and um to to the devs credit i think they do a fantastic job with the subscription model it is like they they have to get paid right they they have servers to run they have mouths to feed they have families to clothe and families to shelter so i i completely i I, 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 I completely respect a man i completely respect a man for providing for his family in in whatever capacity that is i i completely ignore all complaints about you have to pay for a subscription to play an online game yeah like that's a that's a why like if it was like a single player game, I'd be like, the heck are these people on about? Yeah, <laughs> like the devs, right. I'd be like, what the heck? And, and, it's the, and they've done a lot of things to make this game approachable in very inexpensive ways. So I'd, they've done great in, in that area. They, they, there's nothing exploitive about their pricing structure. I really no. appreciate that they've, they've stayed within the bounds of being decent people. And I, I love that about this game. And can I just say further, you know... Uh, uh, one of the things like that I actually brought to Nick's attention was the idea that that the that the trailer that because I know we chatted about this last week or last podcast, my pardon, um, was that the marketing materials that they're currently using are shooting themselves in the foot to some degree with with what's going on. And I brought that to Nick's attention. I did. I was straight up with him. I said like Nick, this trailer is not working. Like it's 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 doing damage, right? And the thing about it, there was not, like, I was kind of expecting some resistance. I really was. But nowhere in our conversations with Nick was it like, he was like, no, Pear, you're wrong. Like, this is actually, like, what we want to do with it. Every time it was like, yep, you're right. Like, it, it like yeah, Pear, you're right. Like, we need to we need to create a, a better trailer. We need to create some. Like, every time that I have proposed ideas to Nick about kind of marketing tactics and tools, um, apart from some of the maybe more of the more logistical operational ones, um, but in terms of like advertising, have always been met with open ears and open eyes, which I I respect because I've I've seen time and time again in in you know in the marketing world, especially in in marketing in general, where it's like feelings are hurt and 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 people are very resistant to ideas apart from their own. To to put the cherry on top, I will say that the player that has been messing with the H two O market is an unrated player. That means that there's a 500 day old account that has never purchased True. Pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can totally play this game at a very for a very long time at a very high level without ever buying it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mittens, for coming on the podcast tonight. It has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Uh, thank you for all your work with uh, the corporation and mapping mapping our centralized shipping chain. It's been it's just been amazing. Uh, if you, yeah well it's been a blast yeah if you guys ever want to excel wizard uh, mittens the guy you want to talk to um but yeah so that has been the pair talks Prun podcast uh you can find us on the discord 
at uh, the Paratox Prime Discord. I will also be plugging our um, Esoteric Gaming Podcast. And so for those that don't know, we've mentioned a few times during this episode, um, but it is a gaming podcast where we talk about news, where we talk about industry trends, anything that is kind of more of a broader subject apart from Prosperous Universe. And that's the time where we get really nerdy and talk about all sorts of kind of cool topics that we enjoy talking about. Um, but apart from that, that is, this has been Pear, Mittens, Lex, and Dez. And you've been listening to Creo Talks Prem Podcast. Yep, that's an alliteration. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.